It is called Zachariah's Song, but I am not going to try and sing it. Otherwise, you'd, I would ever see them. <laughs> Otherwise, you would all be screaming at me to stop, so. Good morning. Zachariah's Song. His father, Zachariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show us mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hands of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, and you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Amen. O oh God, open your word to our hearts and our hearts to your word, and give us grace to receive it, to understand it, and to obey it, for the glory of Christ our Lord. Amen. The night before the sunrise of Jesus' birth had been long and dark. According to the scriptures, the people of Israel had been living in darkness, and in the shadow of death. They were lost. They were lost in a dark night, fearing for their lives, not knowing the way ahead, for it was dark. But those who trusted in God's word, who knew the scripture, would be heartened by the words of Isaiah. The people walking in the darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. Great promise. And Malachi, which we were talking about it a few weeks ago. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. There had been recent glimmers of light indicating that the dawn was imminent. Gabriel's annunciation of John to Zechariah. Gabriel's annunciation of Jesus to Mary. The meeting of two pregnant mothers. And Elizabeth's loud, joyful prophecy. Mary's Magnificat. The birth of John the Baptist. Those momentary flashes, those glimmers of light were signs that steady rays of 
sunlight, the sunlight of the Messiah would soon shine from the horizon. <coughs> now with the birth of John, a faint glow was almost imperceptible. John's father, full of the Spirit, spoke. His words were filled with God's Word, Scripture. Some scholars have detected as many as 33 possible allusions and quotations from the Old Testament in this brief, rapturous song, the Benedictus. In 1967, I was introduced to the Church of England and introduced to Matins. And since then, the Benedictus has been familiar words with me. Uh, nobody seems to do Matins anymore. It, three or four years ago, I went to a church that only did Book of Common Prayer services, and it was glorious to do morning prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. Lovely. The Benedictus, praise be to the Lord our God, it starts. It starts like a fanfare, a trumpet. When I think of trumpets, I think of uh, in 1967, in my first Christmas away from home on HMS Victorious, in alongside at Singapore. Um, I'd been living with the guys in 37 Mess for quite a long time. And we had gone a wee bit doolally. Do you know that word, doolally? And whenever we saw each other around that Christmas time, uh, going through the ship, if we saw one from a messmate, we would go, doot, doot, doot. <laughs> it was a fanfare, a recognition that there was a friend. And that's what the Benedictus is, a fanfare. One of my favorite pieces of music in my music collection is called Benedictus by Carol Jenkins, a glorious, glorious piece of music. And this song of Zechariah is glorious, a glorious praise to the Lord our God. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has allowed my eyes to see a successor on my throne today. Those words from 1 Kings 1, David speaks of his son Solomon. The first son of David and the ultimate son of David were celebrated with identical praise to God. So the beginning of that piece from 1 Kings, the words of David, that's how Zechariah started. Praise be to the Lord. This is a song before the sunrise that talks about the sun. It's a wonderful uh, song of praise from beginning to end. First, God is praised for keeping his promises to David. Secondly, God is praised for keeping his promise to Abraham. Thirdly, God is praised for keeping his promise to Zechariah and giving him his son, John, the forerunner to the son. Fourthly, God was given praise for the coming of that sun, the rising sun. This heaping of praise should draw any soul upward, as it's read. 
The covenant with David was simply God's promise to David that he would be succeeded by his son Solomon, who would build the temple and that an ultimate greater successor would establish his throne forever. <coughs> 2 Samuel 7. He is the one who will build a house for my name. If you remember, David was talking about building the temple himself. But God said, I'm going to build something far greater than that, a house. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. What God had in mind was far greater than David could possibly achieve. The great promise of an enduring kingdom and king fired the hopes of the faithful in Israel, and they looked longingly for the great coming ruler of the house of David. Isaiah gave expression to this great hope. To us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. What a wonderful keeping of God's promise. A child being born, and that child we will remember being born next Sunday. Zechariah talks about the horn of salvation. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. That horn, it talks about animal's horn because it, it's trying to give the feeling of great power. It's derived from animal's horns, especially that of a buffalo or ox, symbolizing strength and power. It's referred to in Deuteronomy 33, if you want to look at it. The lifting up of the horn in the Old Testament refers to an animal tossing its horns in a display of power, threatening power, powerful power. And the language behind he has raised up a horn appears to suggest that the horn of salvation would be powerful, much more powerful than we could do for ourselves. The horn would be raised up in a mighty display of power in the birth of Jesus. <coughs> the ox is a symbol of Luke, and his gospel gives us the story of Jesus in the perspective of sacrifice. My first church where I was vicar was St. Luke's Church in Grayshot. And when I went there, some friends of mine from my previous church gave me special stationery, and they designed it themselves. And on it was the logo, an ox. And it was uh, on gold paper with red ink, uh, symbolizing the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice that would uh, intertwine everything that Luke talks to us about in his gospel. The ministry of this horn, Jesus, would be twofold. First, 
he would redeem and ransom his people with his own blood. Secondly, the horn would bring deliverance from all earthly enemies in the final return of Jesus, uh, as put in Revelation chapter 19. Today, this mighty horn of salvation is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Whoever we are, whatever we have done, no matter how great our sin, Christ, the horn of salvation, can save us completely and eternally. We must therefore take the greatest pride in the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Zechariah's praise for God's fulfilling the Davidic covenant through Christ naturally moved next to the promise to Abraham. Because the promise to David rested upon that original promise to Abraham. God promised Abraham when he was yet childless that he would make a great nation of him and that all the peoples of the earth would be blessed through him. On a subsequent occasion, God reiterated the promise, emphasizing that Abraham's offspring would be like the stars of heaven. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Faith rewarded. God was so pleased with Abraham's faith <coughs> that on that night when the sun had set, God himself appeared as a smoking firepot with blazing torch and passed between the pieces of the sacrifices, signifying that his promise was unconditional and that he would be torn asunder like those pieces if he failed to keep his promises. If you want to know about all these pieces, you have to look at the, the, that part of the scripture. Yet as great as this affirmation of the covenant was, a greater affirmation was still to come when God swore to Abraham that he would keep his covenant. And that is what Zechariah referenced in his song. To show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. The oath took place, God's oath took place after Abraham's unequal display of obedience in his willingness to sacrifice his son through whom the promise of a great nation was to be fulfilled. After God stopped Abraham's hand in Medea, God made an oath. I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me 
That's from Genesis chapter 22. From Zechariah's inspired perspective, the effect of this great oath as fulfilled through the coming of Jesus would not only be deliverance from enemies, but the enablement to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Certainly, this is what Jesus does for the believing heart. He liberates it so that it can serve. Mary became the first servant of that new age of grace when she said, I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. This is the call of the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is our spiritual worship. Joyous service is a hallmark of lives where the sun has risen. Christianity not only delivers us, but infuses our lives with purpose. This is no small thing in a world where so many argue that life is meaningless. As we go through the darkness of this world, we need that light within us. And Zechariah goes on to talk about his son. You'll be called the prophet of the Most High to prepare the way to give knowledge of salvation. And then the one who, whose way you're preparing will shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. And he will guide our feet into the path of peace. Zechariah acknowledges that his precious son would have a ministry that would declare to all that Jesus, the light of the world, would fulfill the promises of God. That whole wonderful song is an acknowledgement that God keeps his promises. We can trust in God. He is sure. When we have faith in God, we are on firm foundation. The world is stranded in utter darkness. The sky is lowering and there is no starlight. They are sitting in darkness. This is a picture of a world in the despair of hopelessness. They are helpless, just as Isaiah described it. People walking in darkness, living in the land of the shadow of death. As Jesus approaches, a faint change is seen in the east. The sky is no longer black, but blue. Shepherds' eyes move to the west, and in the darkness, forms take shape. Then comes a hint of color. As their eyes switch back to the east, the blue turns the cobalt blue turns to royal blue and a long line of pink rims the horizon. The sun is up. What a glorious sight is God's creation 
when the sun is rising. A glorious sight. And in it we can see God's work. They are quickly on their feet, exchanging smiles, rubbing hands and beginning to cheer. The day spring, the first light of heaven, the morning sun from heaven, the sunrise from on high, the appearance of Christ as the light of the world. That sun is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Malachi. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. A time of great joy. Candle is lit for joy this morning. The joy that approaches us, the joy that will be in our hearts as we give thanks to God for sending his son to us in our darkness. Jesus, as Peter says, is the morning star who rises in our hearts. He is the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Remember that the Benedictus is like a fanfare of God's promise which is coming. And one day, I can't remember what year it was, I was working as a curate, an assistant curate in St. John's Meadow, and I was doing two weeks as chaplain in Portsmouth Dockyard. And I was driving from Meadow, which is in Guildford, to Portsmouth to take the service. And I, I shouldn't tell you this because it was naughty. <laughs> I was driving past some daffodils on the road. And I stopped and I took one daffodil. Beautiful. And the daffodil, it's a great flower that has a, a trumpet in it. And that was Easter Day. And I was preaching about Easter to the people at St. Anne's Church in Portsmouth Dockyard. And I used that illustration. Zechariah's fanfare led to the fanfare that Jesus blew when he rose from the dead. Toot, toot. Great. Great joy. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. I think I've skipped a bit. You'll notice my wee hesitation. Mike always notices my hesitations. But before Jesus went up to Jerusalem to... Uh, give his life for us, to complete God's promise, to do for us that which we cannot do, the horn of salvation, the great powerful act 
of Jesus going through death and being raised from the dead. He took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Another sign of Jesus being the light of the world. He was going forward to chase away all the darkness through his sacrifice on the cross. And on the mountaintop, God spoke, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. There's God reminding us again. Remember the prophet told us that we should listen to God and that people were going astray because they were not listening to God. So it's important that we should continue listening to God. Jesus told his followers, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. When Jesus rises in our lives, gone is the shadow of death. We pass from death to life. Even more, in the light, he is able to guide our feet into the path of peace, his peace. This is wholeness and completeness, the sum of all that we require for our well-being. It's God's gift to us. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Those who experience the healing wholeness of God's peace leap like calves relief, released from the stall, heels in the air, free and complete. Has the sunrise from on high filled our lives? Do we have the knowledge of salvation? Is Christ our mighty, powerful horn of salvation? Are you assured of the forgiveness of your sins? Have you been delivered? Have we been delivered from the shadow of death? Are we able to serve him without fear? Are our feet treading the path of peace? If not, we need the sunrise. We need the Christ who came to die for us. We need the spiritual realities of the story of Luke 2, the birth of Jesus, the birth of Jesus within us.